We have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction. Des and Troy. You see, when you put them together, they destroy. company. Hang on. Welcome in, y'all. Daily Destroyer, part of the Dynasty Warzone Network. I am Tyler, with my co-host, as always, Lou. Breaking down the main slate on DraftKings Week 7. Before we jump into Week 7, quick recap of Week 6. You know, keeping ourselves accountable as we always do. Wasn't the best week for me. Still was able to make a little bit money, but as, uh, you know, came out in the black, but enough to maybe buy like a chicken sandwich, I'll say. Things didn't go great. Uh, played Lamar. Still like the process on that one, but hit, there's four touchdowns scored in that game. And in the end of the day, he didn't account for any of them. Don't expect that to happen in the future. And up playing Pittman wasn't the best play. I didn't expect 32-year-old Hilton to come in and out, uh, out-target Pittman, but it certainly happened. And then ended up going Keenan Allen. Thought it was a pretty sharp play, especially with all the news around Mike Williams and the injury. He did depart with the injury. It is unfortunate to say, but Keenan Allen, not to say he's dust, but his, his better days might be behind him at this point in time, unfortunately. So didn't have all the best plays, was still able to make a little bit of money, didn't lose money. I guess that's always the goal when playing DFS is to not lose money, but there were some uh, better plays that should have been made. Lou, you're uh, week six. Talk to me. Yeah, I had had somewhat similar. I you know I thought I made a decent amount of good plays, I think. The issues I had were Lamar and Keenan Allen as well. Uh, I think uh, it was what Cup Cup had a lot. Um, I went double tight end, and I think that's where I faltered a little bit. Is Kelsey just didn't score enough uh, based on like his ownership and what Ricky Seals Jones did? Um, so I I didn't play Herbert. And that was probably the big thing is if you play Herbert, you get a little different of a construction. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead I played paid up to Kelsey. So then the rest of my lineup was a little different. So it wasn't that, that great of a week for me either. It's all right. Bounce back here in week seven. Let's start with the quarterbacks, at least in cash. I think it's pretty straightforward this week. There's two quarterbacks that stick out to me. One's going to be that bounce back from Lamar Jackson. We're expected again. Like this guy is involved in the offense. He accounts for majority of the touchdowns, majority of the yards. To see a game last week where there's four touchdowns scored and Lamar is not involved is is pretty wild. Not going to see that again uh, because he, he dudded last week, essentially. We did see his Price drop from 76 to 74. Lamar Jackson, Jackson is 74 this week. That is, that is still quite cheap for me. So locking Lamar Jackson back in my lineup in another matchup against the Bengals, which isn't necessarily scary, is something that I feel pretty good about. And then Jalen Hurts at this point playing the Raiders, also not that great on defense. We know he might not be the best real-life quarterback at this point in time, but he has shown to have that 20-point floor. We absolutely love to see that. So Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, um, Jalen Hurts is 6,900. Lamar Jackson, 74. These are two quarterbacks in cash that I feel pretty comfortable about. I'll be choosing between one of the two, but I'm not going to be looking many other ways in cash. Your thoughts, QB's cash, Lou? Yeah, I think cash this week, you just, depending on what your the rest of your lineup is and what you can afford, is Lamar or, or Hertz. They're difference of 500, so 
it it doesn't really change many other pieces of um, your lineup. And the nice part, if you were to do um, Hertz, is you have that optionality in the late game to switch around your roster. So there's a lot more plays on the the late slate. Um, the I guess it's four o'clock for because I'm not in time. So yeah, four o'clock Eastern <laughs> games. Because um, I'm looking and I see two. But um, yeah, so the four o'clock Eastern, there's a lot more plays than we've had recently. And it's a somewhat smaller slate. So it's four of the 10 games are in the late time window. So um, that's where like Hertz gives you a little more options that if you are trailing, you could switch your lineup up to say like Brady or Carr or or Kyler or Stafford, like there's way more options if you were to use Hertz. So that's what's kind of interesting to be with Hertz. But then it's just him or Lamar and Cash. And then um, in GPPs, it's there's a lot of cool options this week, I think. Yeah, let's let's dive into that. I feel like we could talk, like we got our two Cash quarterbacks. We feel good about that. And GPPs, I mean, it's it, there's more like interesting plays than there's not at this point in time just due to the buys and that this slate being interesting as it is, but let, let, let's like let's. I'll give you two quarterbacks, Lou. Uh, give me two quarterbacks that, as of today that you are uh, a bit more interested in playing in those GPP lineups. Yeah, I like Stafford and Carr uh, right now. They're not necessarily like similarly priced, um, but Stafford's nice because he's in between those two. Uh, Lamar and Hurts, so I think he'll get somewhat overlooked, and especially with the matchup against the Lions, people might expect that to be more run-heavy, but, I mean, this is the ultimate revenge game, right? Like, he gets to go against his old Lions team. It's double revenge game on the other side with Goff. Um, I mean, it's really, it's more of a Goff revenge game, because they kind of got rid of him more so than that, but I I, I feel you, we're not playing Goff, so it's definitely But McVeigh. I I heard some talk that they're just going to let Stafford go, and you know you're you're facing the Lions, put up you know 400 yards, four touchdowns. We don't care. We're going to beat them anyway, kind of thing. So, kind of might play towards that narrative a little bit, and uh, we'll talk about it at running backs. But I think um, a lot of people will be on the run part of that game, so it might be a little leverage off of that. Like, say they're up say they win like 28-3 or they're up 28-3 or something, and those touchdowns could easily come through the air first. So I like Stafford. And then with Carr, similar to the Hurts, that game could be uh, pretty back and forth and, and a lot of plays, high pace game. So um, the reason I like that one a little more than, say, the, the Chiefs-Titans is um, it's going to be – potential for because it's going to be a close game likely that the potential for both teams to be competitive throughout the whole game so um i kind of like if everyone's going on on the hurt side to go to the car side and i mean if you look at cars stat lines this year like he he's not necessarily the old car that um was not like noodle arm or anything but he's got all but one game this year he has two touchdowns passing and he's gone over 300 yards in, in four of the six games. So um, I think he's got decent upside for a 6K quarterback. And it's against the Eagles. And they generally defend against the long ball. And Carr likes to throw it short. So I think it it works out really well for Carr, Waller, 
um, Renfro, like these, the short area yardage guys, um, Philly likes to give that up compared to giving up plays to like rugs. Yep. And you know, last week I was off the Raiders, right? Cause I was a bit concerned, you know, the whole Gruden thing, he, he ended up, I guess, resigning at this point in time. And, you know, how were the Raiders going to react to losing their head coach? And, you know, they, they look rejuvenated. Like they looked like a different team out there. And I don't, I don't know the inner details of the inner workings of that team, but we could be looking at a new Raiders team, a new Raiders offense, a new Raiders attitude. They really gave it to the Broncos. I believe, I mean, the Broncos weren't, aren't looking great regardless, but at the same time, um, 34 points, they look good. So I, I think it's safe to say that they're not any worse without Gruden uh, head coaching that team. So like the call on the Raiders, and you don't have to talk to me about Stafford. I mean, it, it's good to see him play the Lions. I hope he absolutely shreds them. Uh, he deserves to get his Ws after putting 10-plus years in with, with the Detroit Lions. So um, pool of three quarterbacks this week. Hurts, Lamar, and I'll say Carr as the third. Shifting over to the running backs, the question always, sir, if he is on the slate, is Derrick Henry in those cash lineups at 9,200 against the Chiefs and a 57.5 point over-under pretty insane? Yeah, I mean, he's 9,200, and the issue I have with Henry this week is we know how low of a floor he has in games that he might get scripted out, and this could be one of them. Um, I mean, he's just been such a big piece of that offense and how long can he keep this 30 touches game up for? Right. But, um, at some point he's going to find his match and I'll probably watch to see like how much of the field, uh, is going to be playing him this week and back to back weeks with three touchdowns over hundred yards in five straight games. And so it, but we know what the floor is, what if he comes out of this game with, 18 carries for 75 yards and no touchdown. Then all of a sudden for, for nine 9,200, like your team is pretty much destroyed and there's not a ton of great cheap options to go along with him. So um, I probably won't play him in cash with that price tag. Um, and that's more of like a personal preference, but I think there's a lot of good running backs in the mid range that you can play. And to save that three K is going to help the rest of my lineup. Yep. And, you know, first player is going to come up and we pretty much already alluded to this, but, you know, Daryl Henderson is one of the first names I expect him to be one of the highest owned players on the slate 6,600. He's a true bell cow at this point in time. Um, still a bit underpriced in terms of how much volume and how much work he's getting on this really good Rams offense. And, you know, we talked about that KC Titans game at 57 and a half over under the, the next closest is going to be the Rams Lions at 50 point over under still still pretty solid second highest on the slate and and more importantly the um the Rams I believe are a was it 16 point um favorite at this point in time um yeah yeah, yeah six and like so if you're telling me that there's a team they got a 6600 running back who is a bona fide workhorse and they're favored by 16 points I know you talked about their name at home at home of let yeah. Stafford fly I mean Stafford could easily do that but Henderson's still going to work in the run game. So just Henderson almost is a no-brainer, kind of like build your lineup around this guy. One of the first guys you click when you start your lineup, Henderson at 6,600. Um, thoughts on Henderson in those cash lineups? Yeah, because it's – what are they? Um, 
implied at like 34 points or something like that. So they're, they're basically yep, implied to get four to five touchdowns in this game. And I think you can expect that a home running bag who gets work in the past game and he's pretty much getting all of the work um, running the ball as well. Like, I think you can easily expect him Henderson to get uh, 20 touches in this game, at least. And the likelihood of him getting touchdowns is probably higher than most other running backs on the entire slate and 6,600. He just seems mispriced. I think he should be at least seven. Yep. Um, and then we'd have to think a little more about it, but he was six K last week and showed why he shouldn't be six K either. Um, and he technically is the third highest priced, uh, yeah. running back. He hasn't hit a hundred yards yet this, but he this also, season, hasn't, but, and he also, but he also hasn't scored under 15 DK points this season either. <laughs> right. So like he, he's got a great floor and for 6,600, he's pretty much the first guy I'm putting in into cash. And he's honestly at that price. The guy who, if I'm, if I were to make a lot of lineups this, this week, like I might try to get over the field and he's already going to be pretty highly owned. So let's say he's, 30% owned, then I'd probably still try to get 50% at least of him. So um, he's definitely a guy I'm pretty high on this week and would like to be a- ahead of the field for the case that he gets a 30 point game. Let's stick in that 6K range. There's a lot of interesting running backs here as well. I'm going to start with two. We can even go into some more, but that's going to be Leonard Fournette, 6,400. We know Tempe likes to pass, but at this point in time, Lambo, Lenny, playoff Lenny, whatever you want to call him, like he is that dude. Rojo is barely out on the field. Geo, you know, if if there is passing work that must be had, sure. But at the end of the day, it's against the Bears, and the Bears are awful. I expect the Bucks to roll. If the Bucks are rolling, Fournette's gonna be out there just absolutely eating touches up. It's it's what he's been doing for you know the majority of this year. I mean, just looking at the last couple couple weeks, it's like last week, twenty two attempts, he had six targets. Before that, it was 12 attempts, five targets. Then t- before before that, it was 20 attempts, five targets. I mean, it's like a five-target floor, probably at least for 16 carries. Like, he is that dude on that offense. Again, they like to throw the ball. We do know that. But at the end of the day, if they're up, they're going to be churning it with uh, with our man Fournette here at 6,400. So he seems like a pretty safe play. And then the other side that I want to talk about here, not the other side, sorry, um, is going to be uh, Chuba Hubbard, 6,100. Seems he's on IR. He's not playing. We're talking about a guy who's gone back-to-back 16 attempts last week, 24 attempts the week before that. Um, still getting work in the past game, three targets last week, six targets the week before that. Another, you know, when, when we're talking about cash lineups, when we're talking about running backs and cash lineups, we're, we're playing the guys that are getting, um, you know, the almost guaranteed volume, the guys that we can feel mm-hmm. real, real good about getting at least 18 touches in a game. And, you know, we talked about Henderson, obviously that guy, but then Chuba and Fournette, uh, in my opinion, are both two dudes that I feel great about getting, you know, an 18-touch floor. Um, neither one of them are in very scary matchups and in this similar range. Thoughts on Fournette and thoughts on Chuba. Yeah, I like both of them. And this is where I go back to the Henry thing, where it's like, why why am I paying up for you know, 9200 for running back when there's three very viable 6K running backs here who are all arguably in better spots? Um, I think... You know, the Chiefs defense have hasn't been great, but from a point for dollar standpoint, um, I think a lot of the projections are showing Henry as getting around like 24 or 25 points. But then like Rightly Henderson's so. at 20, 
Fournette's at 18, Chuba's at 17. And that 3K disparity, yeah, that 3K disparity doesn't doesn't make sense there, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Henry's Henry's a great value, and for even at that price tag, but to to pay for three running backs in that 6K range, I'm going to favor that every time. And And Hubbard has been that guy. He's he's originally people were like, oh, is he going to be the 90% CMC? And it didn't seem like that. But I think if you if you break out the stats, like he's still about 80% CMC and he's starting to get more work in the past game. And the Giants are so injured right now. Um, I believe in on ETR they had this as the biggest mitch, mismatch of offense defensive line. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting the Panthers to win this game pretty easily. And with that, they're gonna be running the ball and that's gonna go through Hubbard. Yep. And, and, and just to say, like, you know, if you look at the guys like Henry or Hubbard or Fournette even, and they, you know, they leave this week with, you know, say, you know, 15 carries, 82 yards and a couple catches. Right. Um, Henry, well, that destroys your lineup if that's Henry. Right. But you can get by if that's Chuba or if that's Fournette. Like that doesn't crush you because you're saving 3K off of that. So it's just the risk is is a bit less. So, you know, it, it's always tough to say because like if you fade Henry and you're wrong, you lose money. That's basically how it works. So you're taking a stance here, but I do like the stance we're taking and I'm, I'm on the possible, uh, of fade Henry this week for some of these six K guys, a couple of other I want to throw out there, Lou, that I have similar thoughts on in that same range. Um, Josh Jacobs, 6,200, uh, the Eagles, again, they're, they're a bit of a run funnel. Like as much as people don't want to admit it, Slade's been playing absolutely great this year. Um, and the Raiders, um, sorry, the Eagles run defense is 25th DVOA, 28th in yards allowed per carry. We know Jacobs is that preferred guy on the ground. Things are, uh, things are good there. This game sets up well, um, you know, regardless of the, um, I mean, I think they're, the Raiders are a three-point favorite, but they're also at home, so it's a pretty dead-even dead even game if you really break it down. And then the other guy is going to be Swift. I talk about him every week. It's my homerism. I can't help it. But just something to note, like I know if you watch Swift play and you watch the game, it's it's concerning because you look at his stat line after three quarters, and it's, it's, it's not great. Always comes back in the fourth quarter. But things are trending up for DeAndre Swift. 78% snap rate last week, um, season high, um, 76 70 like 76 or 75 percent of the rb touches season high um getting most of the um routes on he's running a lot of routes on jared goff's dropbacks like everything is trending up for deandre swift in this moment he is slowly starting to carve out a role where he's much more of a workhorse and it's a lot less of a split between him and jamal williams and it's just he, he's a threat and they they they, lo- they love to use him in the pass game and they love to use him on the goal line or in green zone situations so when we're talking about players we want to play in dk we want receptions and we want goal line touches. And that is what Swift is providing. And he is that guy when the lines are down. And guess what? Like the lines are always going to be down in particular in a game when they're 16 point underdogs. So talk to me a bit about your thoughts on Jacobs and Swift. I like both of them. And especially since people are going to gravitate towards those other three that are in the similar price range, uh, that makes them great GPP plays. Uh, I, I really do like Jacobs a lot. The, the issue with Swift is, if that if 17 point favorites is going to make it a lot harder to project swift to, you're really relying on him catching like five plus balls uh because he's likely going to have trouble with running the ball in the game and, and like picking up say the 100 yard bonus yeah. or rushing he touchdowns four, he said four catches in every game though the season though just something to note like he said four catches he he averages about five catches a game so far so i mean yeah. I, I guess it's more of the issue of 
are they so much worse than the Rams that they're going to struggle to move the ball at all and get first downs and the Rams are just going to run it down their throats and, and control the clock all game. So um, that it, I guess what I'm saying is his upside is a little more limited versus Jacobs, who I think they're going to run more plays. They're more likely to score touchdowns in this game and score easy touchdowns for him. It's just going to require a little more effort, so to speak, and yep. for, for Swift. So I think between the two, I, I lean Jacobs, but um, that's more of like a personal preference. Mm-hmm. I think they're both similarly good plays, but I I think with that Lenny ownership, um, I would much rather play these two guys in GPPs. I think Swift's ownership is going to be extremely low, but I like the idea of, of putting him in those uh, Stafford lineups because you're really playing for the idea that he's going to get more um, a spiked week in receptions because they're, they're trailing and you're playing it. That's I think it's going to be a closer game than maybe the line implies. Mm-hmm. So you're expecting more chance for touchdowns for the lions, but also that they're going to be competitive enough to be running more plays successfully. And that's going to go through swift. Yep. And then, Last player I always want to touch on before opening it up for any other guys. It's going to be Devontae Booker at 5,500. I, I know, like, you're going to see the first against you know, the Panthers on DraftKings. I think it's a bit of a misnomer considering um, the Panthers, like, came out of the gate against some really, really easy opponents. It's not really indicative, in my opinion, to what their run defense is. I mean, you look at the Panthers' run defense, it's actually 18th DVOA, 15th in yards allowed per carry. Like, they're a pretty middling run defense, although the the, the DraftKings will see that red one, and people might be scared a bit off of it. I mean, since Saquon's been out, he has seen uh, last two weeks has been twelve attempts, four targets, sixteen attempts, four targets. I mean, he he seems to have a floor of fifteen touches. Um, he he has that Saquon usage. He has that Saquon role. There's really no one there that he's splitting time with. And at fifty five hundred, um, he's definitely in play for me, even in cash. Just considering, I, I feel good about him getting fifteen touches in this game. Is he a world beater? Like absolutely not. Typically, would probably need a touchdown to really work out for you. But at the same time, Galladay's out, Tony's out. Shepard might be back, but I I think I read that Shepard suffered a bit of a setback in practice on Friday. So there really aren't that many options out there for these New York Giants to get the ball to if they're going to look to score. So, um, you know, with with that injury news, uh, Booker seems like a guy that is cash viable. Yeah, I think he's sort of in that price range that makes him a little more viable um, under 6K. The only other guy under 6K that I've even really looked at considering is is Miles Sanders at 5,100, also part of that game that, that I've been interested in. And I think from what I've heard in like other podcasts and, and write-ups is people seem to like Sanders this week, and I've heard his name more often than Booker. So um, from just like a, a leverage standpoint, I think uh, Booker would be a better play from, from that idea, that angle. Um, the other guy I want to talk about who's kind of getting he's kind of gotten forgotten a little bit this week and just from looking at the ETR projected ownership um, he's the only guy who's coming in under 10% in their projections in this whole like 5-6k range it's Joe Mixon and I mean he's been a pretty good player all season and um, continues to just like be the guy when he's healthy and playing in games Um, last week he had great 
um, usage. He had 18 carries and five receptions, and it looks like he's back to full health again. Um, and we know when he's at full health, they they love for better or worse. Giving him for better or worse, they're giving him the ball exactly. Yeah. Um, and this matchup against the Ravens, like it's not the worst matchup for for running backs no, either. It's absolutely. So, not. Um, in that sense, I I really kind of like the idea of, of Mixon as as a one off. Um, I don't really think he's necessarily a play in like a, a Lamar Jackson stacked lineup. Um, but I think more of like a one-off if you think the Ravens are going to maybe struggle out the gate again or something like that. Um, but I do kind of like Mixon this week. What do you think? I, I actually, I, I wasn't thinking Mixon and I think I, that's incorrect of me. And I really like your call here on Mixon because now that he's back and he's healthy. Like he saw six targets, 18 attempts last week against Detroit. Um, you know, and I think there's a chance that maybe the, the Ravens, come out crushing and he gets dialed back a little bit in terms of his rushes. But if there's any situation where this game is close or the Bengals find themselves up, um, you know, 20 touches is not out of the realm of possibilities here for Joe Mixon. And he is a very good running back now that he's back and healthy. So I'm not sure just considering the other running backs have a similar price that I'll be putting him in there. But if you were to tell me like, Hey Tyler, I want to put Mixon in my cash lineup. I would say, you know, go absolutely go ahead. I I have no issues with, with getting Mixon in there. And especially in GPPs, I think he's an interesting pivot also considering what you mentioned about his uh, projected ownership. Yeah. I, I think that's the big thing for me is like early on this week when I first looked at um, the salaries, I was thinking that Mixon would come in more owned, but over time and throughout the week, it seems like he's not getting talked up that much. Um, and it shows in that, in the projected ownership that I was just talking about. Um, and I think part of that is just his price. He's about the same price as Henderson. Um more expensive than Fournette and Hubbard. And those are the guys that are really getting talked about this week. Pool of, let's do pool of five running backs because we're not throwing Henry in there. So let's do pool of five running backs who are interested in your lineups this week. I'll do, uh, I'm going to say Henderson, Hubbard, Booker, and then I'll say Jacobs and uh, Swift. Shifting over to the wide receiver position, similar how we always talk about, um, Derrick Henry, it's it's going to be Devontae Adams at 8,900. Um, Washington football team defense coming into the season, heralded as one of the best. It's been one of the worst. It is actually the best line, the best defense through six weeks in terms of quarterback points and wide receiver points. We know Devontae Adams is capable of you know, not necessarily Tyreek level of slate breaking, but pretty goddamn close to that. Um, you know, he's, his floor is nice, probably around 12, 14 points and those – 30 to 40 point weeks, those can absolutely happen. So, I mean, he, he is heavily targeted in games when they need to to move the ball. Like, you know, seeing like 15 targets to Devontae Adams is not that crazy. So, Devontae Adams, 8,900, interest in him. Um, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I won't play him in cash um, just because I, I'm leaning more towards playing three of those 6K running backs and – from a price standpoint, I think I'll basically my whole lineup is going to be mid-range guys. If I do that path, um, Adams is, he's just always a great play and it's a pretty good matchup for him. It's like um, the best. It's like the best matchup. Arguably man. the best. Yeah. But I guess my concern is, are the, is the Washington football team going to be able to 
fight back in this game. Like that's kind of the hard part for me is is they're they're beat up. They very beat up. The Packers have looked good ever since week one. Um and for me, I, I'm not sure if we really are gonna see any sort of ceiling for Adams this week compared to others. Like last week he had he only had five targets, which was by far his low this year. But um in games that they lead like that, it seems like he's not really as big of a, a threat to get touchdowns. He only has two touchdowns on this year, which is pretty low for, for mm-hmm. him, I'd say. Um, so it doesn't seem like they're just forcing, force feeding him touchdowns this year. Like they were last year. So I think that kind of lowers his, his upside, at least just from looking at the game logs this year, basically. Um, it doesn't seem like he's getting those. Oh, last year we saw a hundred yards and two touchdowns like all the time from him, you know, like that Mm -hmm. was, that was very commonplace, but now we're seeing games with five catches for 90 yards and that's good for your season long teams, maybe, but it's not going to cut it for a nine K wide receiver. Well, and then then let's just like jump down to cup at 84. I mean, by all means, he's been almost a better play than Devontae Adams so far this year. Um, he, he's a bit cheaper. He's seen 10 targets in every single game this season. He's got six touchdowns, is it six touchdowns, so seven uh, yeah. touchdowns on the year. Like it, he has been the cash play. I mean, it's been like play cup and profit. That's it, it's been pretty straightforward. So, and we've talked about Stafford. We've talked about this game. Um, if we're fading DA, I mean, it means we probably got to get cup in there. Thoughts on cup, man. Yeah. I prefer if you're going to pay up to go for cup, um, he just seems safer in general. He's clearly Stafford's favorite target. Um, the issue is obviously this this game is the game script uh, is going to script him out of this game. But I mean, we've seen it in other games where they win by um, fifteen plus points, where he's still able to get seven nine receptions in the game against uh, Chicago and uh, the Giants. He was still able to get over a hundred yards and touchdown in those games so um i don't think it's out of the question to still see his upside uh especially if people are going to be heavy on henderson this is a way to be different and if they're getting touchdowns through someone other than henderson it's likely going to be cup yeah i mean don't really have to talk about cup and cash. It's it's it, the, the DA and cup is pretty straightforward. It's just do we play him or not? Interest is cup over DA at this point in time. I'll open it up for you here, Lou, at this point in time to uh you know who who give me give me your, your top two uh wide receiver cash plays as of today. My top two? Yeah, like who who you who, like mean, who you get in those lineups? I mean, not obviously not cup, I guess if he's in there, but like like not cup, not like obviously not DA, but you know, who are you feeling? Like who, who's mean, an absolute smash spot in terms of your cash lineup? I think just based on price and activity like Ridley and Godwin are two of my favorite. Um, I'm more focused on getting them in first and then sort of figuring out if I can fit cup later. Uh, Ridley just seems so mispriced at 6,600. I get that he's like coming off an injury week, but he's pretty safe for like seven catches, 50 yards at least. Yeah, his, his, his floor has been good, man. His floor has been and good. It's a great matchup against the Dolphins. It's not like he's he's playing in a tough matchup. Uh, and we haven't really talked much about this Falcons-Dolphins game, but I think it's gonna be I love targeting bad teams facing against each other. Uh, they're the types of games that can spike because 
like neither team really plays much defense. So mm-hmm. um, I like Ridley a lot, 6,600. And he just, they have Russell Gage back, but. There's nothing, dude. I'm not worried. It's not going to take much off of like yards and touchdowns, but it will take targets away. Like Russell Cage just gets targets and he's 4K. He's not a guy that I'm like too interested in, but in like a, a Ryan stack, I think going Ryan Ridley and Gage is, is like a pretty decent play. And then you bring it back with someone like a Waddle or, or Gasicki. So that that's a game that I'm somewhat interested in stacking up and I'm very interested in Fridley and then Godwin without Antonio Brown and, and Gronk in that game, they're facing the bears. It's a great matchup team likes to throw the ball. Um, I really like Godwin coming out of the slot against the bears. Um, obviously like Evans is a great play. The, the strategy I was um, explaining to you earlier that I kind of have some interest in because of the late swap ability this week with, so many great plays late. Um, I like having Henderson in the flex spot. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you're trailing, switch that to Evans. Evans, obviously we know what type of ceiling he has in, in a game where you don't have Gronk taking away the upside of touchdowns and uh, Brown taking away the upside of targets. This could be easily a smash spot for Evans as well. Yep. I mean, Antonio Brown being out, I think, opens up a lot. We know we've talked about it before. Bucks love the to pass offense. the ball, yeah, and like just to narrow that target distribution tree a, a bit more, especially considering how much AB has been crushing. And he seems to have like this kind of like I wouldn't say it's like a, a locket rust connection, but there seems to be something going on. I don't know if it's because he was Brady's roommate or whatnot, or maybe just AB is that freaking good still. But in the, the day with AB out, it opens a hell of a lot up through the air from a team that's been very focused on the pass. So with you on that one, Ridley Godwin, two of your more favorite plays. I'll take it over from here and kind of talk a bit about a couple of mine that I have some interest in. Um, one is going to be just Brandon Cooks. Like I, at this point in time is a cash play. He seems just like pretty goddamn safe considering just the circumstances of the Texans. Like in season long, it's like you can only ever play Cooks. But he's also that dude where, you know, he has seen double-digit targets in um, – you know, half of his games this year, he has been, you know, he's he's cracked uh, eight, almost 18 DK points in four of the last six games. Mills, still bad, but looking like a bit more competent with a couple. You know, the rookie after all, like you got to give it to him, like looking a bit more competent. Like I, I at least trust Mills to be able to get the ball towards Brandon Cooks in a game where they're playing the Arizona Cardinals who have no problem scoring points and will have no problem scoring points. Mills should be throwing this ball early and often. Another 10-target game out of Brandon Cooks would not surprise me whatsoever, and we know he's a pretty dynamic wide receiver in terms of being able to just figure it out all over the field, deep balls, catch one for a touchdown, absolutely no problem. So 6K for a guy that I feel pretty comfortable getting at least eight targets, probably more likely around 10 in this game. Um, Thoughts on Brandon Cooks, 6K cash. Yeah, I think he's a pretty safe option. I personally prefer Godwin just because it's better it's offense, higher yeah. upside. I mean, but, but we the could price go both, is though. essentially the same. Um, yeah, it, you can very easily play both. Yeah, um, and I might do that. I'm I'm just gonna play a lot of guys around six k this week in general. Um, but he's such a safe play, and he's really the only option on this team that love. A lot of people are just referring to them as like the expansion team or, you know, XFL team and, and all this stuff. And it's hard to really trust Davis Mills, but if 
if Mills throws for even only 180 yards, like you'd still probably expect at least half of that to be going to cook. So like five catches, 80 yards or whatever. Um, it's still a decent line for a guy that's six K. It's just his upside of touchdowns is way lower than Godwin. Fair enough. Um, throw another one out there for you. Um, I think I, we didn't mention this before, but I, I've kind of been thinking through this and I think Jalen Waddle at 5,600. We talked about this game, um, you know, with two bad teams and Devonte Parker. I think this, this is more so I lean of Devonte Parker is going to be out um, at this point in time, I've not heard news one way or another whether he's going to be playing or not. So if, if Parker plays, a little less interested in Waddle. But if, if Parker's out again, you know, Waddle is a guy that at 5,600 in this game that I feel pretty comfortable targeting is uh, a guy that I'll throw in there. I mean, he's seen 13 targets twice so far this year. Like, it's been up or down. The floor doesn't seem to be that nice. But the one thing that we have not seen um, from Waddle that I know that he has in him from, what you know, scouting him a bit in college is, like, he, he's a deep ball guy. And like he he has that speed, he has the breakaway speed. They can get him deep, and I don't trust the Falcons' defense to be able to stop anybody. And more importantly, last week they um, they is in the um, the Miami Dolphins. Like they use him in the red zone a bit. Like he, they were throwing the ball to Waddle in the end zone, so he, he's dynamic. They're using him all over the field. So your thoughts on Waddle uh, fifty six hundred, especially if Parker doesn't play with that caveat. I'm assuming you're the same way there. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm not even sure if Parker in or not is that big of a deal for me uh, because we've seen it a lot with Waddle that he's still just getting the targets, even if they're the short passing routes. And he still has this rapport with Tua being back to college. I mean, last week was the first time we saw his upside, um, which I think the issue with that is that might get more people on him this week, especially in a matchup against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. But for 5,600, like I've already told you, I'm, I'm making a lineup that is stacking this game. And Waddle is someone who it, it's relatively cheap way to get exposure to this game, even as standalone. Like it seems like his floor is relatively safe, at least for targets. Um, the weeks that he scored less were against much better teams and defenses. So, I mean, we saw him just put up 10 catches, 70 yards, and two touchdowns against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And um, the other time he had the spike week was against the Raiders. So I think in a game against the Falcons, this is one that I'm going to prefer to play him a little more than other games. But he is a little more expensive. This is the first time he's been over 5K. So that part somewhat worries me. Um, And I think I'd only really be playing him in games that I'm stacking with, say, a Ryan or two at quarterback. Makes sense. We got a quick question from the chat here, pivoting to tight ends. I know we'll get there in a second, but Mike has a question. Cameron Brait, any appeal with Gronk out? Lou, thoughts on Brait as a kind of a tight end punt play? I believe he's 3,300. I think it's a decent punt play. Uh, It's a play that I'd rather make if Brady is my quarterback because you're really playing Brait for his touchdown upside. Um, I think I still would prefer OJ Howard at a similar price. He's listed as questionable, but I know he was uh, full in practice yesterday. So I think he's going to play. He's more likely in my opinion to get a decent amount of targets. And we saw last week he had a touchdown. So um, I think I would prefer Howard over Bray. Would you? It's I think it's only in Brady stacks that I'm here. Cause I, I think if I'm going in this range, at tight end, it's going to be Ricky Seals-Jones at 3,700. Yeah. Um, 
in the end of the day, like, yeah, like, had a good week, week last week, caught a touch, touchdown. But even though he didn't catch a touchdown, he still had nine points. Like, I don't see a lot of other guys in this range without catching a touchdown going to get you around that eight to ten point range. He's just a full-time tight end. Like, there is absolutely no split with Ricky Seals-Jones as part of the Washington football team offense. He has taken that Logan Thomas role uh, in totality. So, it's just the, the, the snaps, the routes run, everything is going to be so much higher for Ricky Seals Jones. Like Ricky Seals Jones is mispriced. Like in terms of his usage and how much he's on the field, like 3700 is a mispriced tight end in my opinion, Ricky Seals Jones. Like he should be up in that range in the in the Higbees, the Goddards, the Gasecki range um for how much they're using Ricky Seals Jones. So, I would try to find that that um $400 from Brate to Ricky Seals Jones if I was thinking that, but you know, if you're playing a Brady stack, I, I think that Brate's viable, but um, without Brady, that range, it, it's pretty locked with Ricky Seals-Jones for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones is still underpriced for his usage. He should be over 4K. Um, do you want to just go down tight ends while we're yeah. at it? Because um, I think Ricky Seals-Jones is kind of the lock for me in cash. Yeah, I mean, we we, we can go, come back to the the wide receiver pool here in a second, but let's just let, let's close out tight ends. We'll then we'll go to the wide receiver pool. So, Ricky Seals Jones is the lock for cash, but you know, give me a couple like other tight ends you're thinking about playing. I mean, let, let, we can start at the top end if you want. I mean, we always got to yeah. at least talk about Kelsey and Waller when on the slate. The way that I described to you earlier was the um, I'm attacking tight ends this week as who am I using for quarterback in that lineup. And I'm going to use a tight end from that same game. So if I have uh, Matt Ryan, then I'm going to choose Pitts or even Gusecki from as the the bring back. Um, so my my kind of pool of tight ends this week is wider than it usually is. Uh, Ricky Sills Jones, I'm playing in cash, but I probably just won't even touch him in tournaments just because he's going to be so widely owned. Yeah, and- I'm with you. If I'm in that price range, that's where someone like Howard is is pretty interesting to me. Um, but then I would go up to Gesicki, Goddard. Those are those are two guys who I think are going to be relatively common. But um, I like both of them. It seems like people are talking Goddard up a decent amount uh, more than Gesicki right now. I've heard some talk about Gesicki being overpriced, but I think we've seen his upside in the past for touchdowns and hundred yard games. So. He's not a touchdown like or bust. He's, he's not a touchdown or bust tight mm-hmm. end. You know, he, but he, then he any those of those other top um, tight ends, like Darren Waller, has this is one of the best matchups he'll see. Um, and as I mentioned before, with with Carr, um, I think it's more likely that they're going to be doing short passes uh, this game over other games, just the way that Philly plays on defense. And we haven't seen Waller get. Uh, a spike target game in a little while since week one, he had 19 targets. So we know that's the upside. So um, I expect Waller to have at least eight targets in this game. And I expect it to be a close game. And that's when Carr really leans on Waller. Um, his price. I know we don't really talk about FanDuel that much, but his FanDuel price is like lock button uh, basically. Mm-hmm. But um Kelsey, I'll play in Mahomes stacks. I think I prefer him over any of their wide receivers this week. Andrews, I'll play him in Lamar lineups. Um, I already mentioned Pitts. I think Hawkinson is a decent option as a bring back from for Stafford teams as well. Like I'm not going to play golf likely, but I think in a Stafford stack, 
Um, bringing back with Hawkinson is very interesting. And then I, Higby, I would only play in a Stafford uh, lineup. But yeah, I'm basically just, depending on the rest of my lineup, is how I'm choosing tight end this week. Makes sense. Give me a pool of three tight ends, RSJ and two others. Yeah, I'd say Waller and Kasiki. All right, let's let's revisit the the, the wide receivers here. Um, I'm actually going to like move to the pool here. I, I feel like we're at a decent point, but at the same time, if there's someone in this pool that you have not talked about, go ahead and do it. So give me the pool of five wide receivers and elaborate if there's someone that we have not touched on. Um, I'm trying to think if we... So cut, we, we, uh, cut, AJ cut. Brown, we haven't okay. really talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Brown is still like decently 100. cheap at 6,300 and in the highest scoring expected game. Um, if we're already not going to play Henry, then AJ Brown, I, I like him better than, than Julio, but I think he's going to get talked up and have some ownership this week as well. And then T Higgins at 4,900 is still relatively cheap. Um, He's probably my favorite under 5K wide receiver. And then Devonta Smith at 5,400 in that game. Uh, I like him in hurt stacks or even as the bring back from their side in, in the car stacks that I like. So the Sterling Shepard thing was interesting recently, and I'm not sure because um, he's still banged up. Like Basically everyone on their team is banged up. Do you have any interest in Dante Pettis? It's not no, that sexy. I'm not doing it to myself. I mean, is I'm he going to be the myself. only option? It's possible, man, but I think... He's literally min-priced and had 11 targets last week. I, mean, I know, but if, if Shepard is out, if Shepard, Tony, and Galladay are all listed as out, and Pettis is like literally the only one that's ever stepped on a football field, you know, it's just it's one of those things where... I mean, that would allow you to play Henry. That would allow you to play Kelsey. I think that would be really interesting. I don't love doing it, but um, Pettis could be in play. All right. You actually give me pool six wide receivers. <laughs> okay. So, so for the pool, I'll say Cup, Ridley, Godwin, Higgins, uh, Devonta, okay, and uh, Mooney. We didn't talk about Mooney, but I think he's for forty six hundred. He's my, the other guy under five k that that I like putting on teams. Um, what's your thought on Allen Robinson? This might be so not in cash. The best play. This might be the best week to play Allen Robinson. Yeah, it's tough for me, man. That's why. That's yeah, why it's going to be a good 50, week. He's going to be low owned. Fifty one hundred. Fifty one hundred. I mean, it's just like he's been burning us for the last six weeks. Like, I think in tournaments, if you wanted to go there, I'd have no problem with it because we yeah. know he. Like, objectively, Allen Robinson is a top fifteen wide receiver in the NFL, right? And this is one of the. This will likely be the best matchup he'll have against a uh, crippled Buck secondary, um, a team where uh, when you're playing the Bucks, you just abandon the run because it's just not even worth it. You just want to throw it. So. But I think, like with that said, they're going to have to throw a lot. Um, you know, and it's just it, it, it's tough to say what we've seen out of I field. Think he has like, better upside than Mooney, and people are going to go to Mooney because Mooney just has been. There's, better. there's leverage on an A Rob without a doubt. I mean, yeah. In in tournaments, like absolutely with it. In my cash lineups, like I just can't get around A Rob, man. 
yeah, not non cash, but I think um, in lineups and tournaments, say like a Brady stack or a team, a, a lineup that I'm attacking that game, I think I'm going to go with Robinson over Mooney because this it's just a leverage thing for me. Cool. Um, that's that's the pool. I mean, and the defense, just to touch on it real quick, it's it's tough to really get there. But I mean, there's two teams that stick out to me. Is if if I can fit them, I'm going to do it. That's going to be the Cardinals. 3,100 against the Texans. Don't need to elaborate on that about how bad the Texans are. But another one that I do want to at least like, you know, say something about is going to be the, um, the giants at 2,500 uh, Panthers offensive line is, is, is not been good. And Darnold has looked bad under pressure. There's been some turnovers, you know, flying around there on Darnold side of the ball and the giants, uh, you know, front, I mean, more so like their front four. Uh, their their defensive line has been playing pretty well too, so I think it's a bit of a mismatch in terms of the Giants getting pressure on Darnold, and there could be some turnovers coming from Darnold in this game. So Cardinals thirty one hundred and Giants at twenty five hundred are both two that I uh, feel pretty strongly about. If I can fit them, they're finding that way into my lineup. Yeah, and I mean that's basically where I'm looking now. Uh, I really want to get the Cardinals in. I think they're going to be so heavily owned just from past weeks it seems like they price up anyone that's facing the Playing, Texans. yeah for sure I mean, etr has them project at 34 percent ownership which is just insane for a, a defense. defense and what that means is you literally just you just don't play them in tournaments because defense is such a high variance uh position but um I kind of like the panthers as well just because of all of the injuries on the giants and we know how in, uh, turnover prone Daniel Jones is. That uh, Panthers, they're they're thirty five hundred. It's crazy that they cost more than the Cardinals. But yeah, I think the Giants for cheap. And then the only other, like the the Patriots Jets game, just for the fact that we literally haven't mentioned anyone on either of those two teams. That I think it's expected to be low scoring and just like not a great game. So Jets at twenty four hundred. I think are also pretty decent. Um, saves you some cash. You could also do the Patriots from the same game. Um, both rookie quarterbacks going against each other. And there's crazy stats on Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. So I think that's the other game that I'd look for. Um, if I'm looking for a defense. All right. That's going to do it for daily destroyer week seven. Sort of preview here. Um, one one thing that I just wanted to touch on, Lou, and I know you know a bit more about this, so feel free to elaborate. I was talking to one of our listeners last week, um, trying to hammer home the importance of putting um, a four o'clock player in your in your flex for the pivot oh, yeah. if needing to pivot. So the idea essentially is like if you're down against somebody, or not even against one person, um, and you have a heavily owned player, likely heavily owned player in your in your flex, like you need to pivot off of that and get to somebody who's lower ownership that still has a bit of a ceiling. And last week one of our listeners had Hunt in the in the flex, but they were up um a, a good amount. And there was like one person in range of being able to take them down and they also had Hunt. Um and I remember saying like hey if like that's Hunt you have this locked up because you're up you know and all they had was mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers. But I was like if I was them I would have taken a little bit extra cash that I had and pivoted from Hunt to CD Lamb. And if that person would have pivoted and gotten the, off of the, the, the Hunt chalk and went to CD Lamb, like they would have taken down 
uh, one of our listeners and it just proved, you know, luckily they, they're on the good side of um, not using a pivot correctly in the four o'clock games. But I just wanted to, to mention that to some of the listeners and have you maybe talk about the importance of that a bit more, but, you know, yeah. keeping those four o'clock players in the flex and being able to um, have that flexibility to, to switch off to somebody to, to get ahead is, is very important, especially when you have like a chalky player, like Daryl had, like, I want to, you know, kind yeah. of, you can talk about Henderson this week. If you have Henderson in your flex, like this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think last week was the perfect example of it because Hunt was really the only mega chalk in the late game. I think this week there's way more players in the late games that are viable um, in general cash or GPPs. But so last week, for example, Kareem Hunt was 6,200 or something around there. Yeah, so yeah, something Um, like that. And he was like everyone's... Uh, flex play and so if you had him in, in a flex spot and everyone you're facing against only had one guy left it was likely him and it's just strategically always correct to switch off of him um unless you're ahead and i think it was last week it was cup that had a lot of points yep, right correct. Um, so it was kind of like if you had cup in your lineup then you're already ahead but if you had someone like say keenan allen then you likely needed to change it. Um, so in this case, right, you have the same player as the other team. You're both going to get the same amount of points from Hunt. So no matter what scores, if you're ahead, then you're going to come out with the same amount of lead as when you went into the game. So in this week, Henderson is the guy who I'm mainly focusing on with that. Um, but there's also Fournette, who's very similarly priced. Um, there's also Mike Evans, Godwin. There's a ton of guys in that same price range. So if you come out of the first round of games and you had Lamar, let's say, and Lamar only had 12 points, um, then you're likely going to start trailing the teams that had Hurts instead. So you're going to want to switch off of guys like Henderson um, and the easiest way to really um, leverage off of that would be if he's in the flex, you could switch to wide receivers, right? So you'd flip that to Robert Woods. Someone in the same game who's direct leverage is the best way to do it, especially in tournaments. Maybe not as much in cash. In cash, I think I would move Henderson closer to like a Godwin or or Fournette or something like that. Um, But if you're trailing and say Henderson gets 12 points and he was 40% owned, even if you get like 14 points from a guy like Evans, you're gaining two points on 40% of the field. So that's where the the leverage, it doesn't always sound like it would make sense because it's like, oh, like Henderson still got 18 points for me. But if Evans gets 25 points, then you're leapfrogging all of those other teams. There we go. Well said, Ludog. Um, I'm not going to ask for your final thoughts on, on week seven. I feel like that was a good way to end it. So um, thanks for all for tuning in. Again, any questions, DFS stuff, obviously recording this on a Saturday comes up. Feel free to reach out to myself on Twitter at FFTylerO or Lou at Lou Dog Sports. That's all we have today, folks. Don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing.
won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.